One of the biggest culture shocks in Korea was how blunt and direct the students and adults around us were. If a female teacher gained a bit of weight, students might come up to her, put a hand on her belly, and ask, Teacher, baby? They would ask questions that you might expect from your grandparents. Teacher, how old are you? Do you have a boyfriend? Why aren't you married yet? When are you going to have a baby? I told them wildly different stories to evade their questions and received equal levels of shock when I told them when I was single to when I told them I had eight boyfriends, one for every day of the week and an extra one for Saturday so I would have company in the day and in the evening. Welcome to Self-Help Chunky, the podcast where we explore the world of personal development through the eyes of book enthusiasts. I'm your host, Eric Ng, a communication coach and your resident bookworm. This season, we'll be focused on developing our romantic skills, but before we dive into the conversation with our guest, let's get a one-minute summary of the history of singledom. Throughout history, singledom has been viewed as a cocoon phase of the human cycle, that when you find your perfect match, you'll blossom into your final form and live happily ever after. While the Victorians called them spinsters, in modern times, the Chinese call them leftover women, women who are in their late 20s and beyond with labels that imply that there's something defective with them, either because they're undesirable as a partner or too career-focused and independent. Women bear the brunt of such labels and expectations, but men who stay solitary for too long are seen as irresponsible, immature, or noncommittal. In the context of our modern world, where human life expectancy is increasing every decade, the narrative around dating and singleness is evolving. On average, we find ourselves spending more time exploring relationships, navigating the complexities of love, and seeking personal joy before committing to a lifelong partnership. The longer dating phase allows us to grow individually, develop a deeper understanding of ourselves, and make more informed choices about our future. While there has undeniably been progress in embracing singleness as a valid and respectable status, it's important to acknowledge that there are some lingering stereotypes that persist. Whether it's the curious looks of concern or well-intentioned words of encouragement, the journey through singleness is marked by its own joys and challenges. And with that, let's dive in. Today, our guest is Grace Lee, a dating coach based in New York City. She has experience in the field, both from her personal dating journey, but also as her work as a matchmaker. Unlike many dating coaches, she's not focused on helping her clients find love. Instead, she wants her clients to fall in love with the process, to fall in love with dating. She works with men and women of all ages across the United States and any place that can connect to Zoom. Welcome to the show, Grace. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I was just saying to you earlier that your methodology to dating coaching uh, is really different from some of the other ones that I've spoken to before. How did you come across this idea of helping people fall in love with dating rather than helping them consciously find the person for them? (laughs) In the background of all of this, I think, you know, people want to find love and mm-hmm. finding someone to, you know, to spend your life with is a really important, important goal, I guess. Um, but what I found in my journey and in helping others, there's a lot about falling in love and finding a partner that is really down to luck and timing. And I think a lot of people in my industry don't really recognize the role that those two things play. Mm. And they kind of make it seem like this is something that we can control. And to be honest, like there's a lot about meeting someone that you really connect with that is out of our control. Right. And the pressure of feeling like you're doing something wrong and this isn't happening because something that you're doing, it kind of mis- misplaces the attention in the process. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm working with people, I really want them to surrender to this idea that a lot of it is out of our control, 
So let's just focus on ourselves and putting the best version of ourselves out there. And in that process, I think when we let go of the thing that we're chasing, we can kind of settle in, enjoy the process of dating, even enjoy the process of writing your profile. Mm. Um, And I think that that just sets the mindset so that inadvertently, you know, we become that, like they always say it happens when you least expect it. Um, You kind of get into that mindset, but not, not in a like forced way, but more in a, in a way that recognizes, you know, there's a lot of this we can't control. So let's just, let's just operate under the things that we can. Um, And I think it's a much happier place for people as well. For sure. I think one of the biggest commonalities when I talk to single friends is that they're always complaining, like there's no good people out there anymore. I hate the dating process. People go on dating apps just because they feel like they have no other choices rather than Mm. actually enjoying it. And I think that would resonate with a lot of people. You know, being single is, a lot of people think of being single as all the things that you're not. Like Mm -hmm. if you're single, you're not in a relationship. Um, But being single has the one advantage, which is independence and freedom. And if you're not doing those things, then you're not really taking advantage of everything your relationship status has has to offer. And sure. I want to get people out of this mindset of like the bad dating stories, mm-hmm. you know, because when we tell bad dating stories and people commiserate and laugh alongside, it actually reinforces this whole idea that the process sucks. Mm. And a lot of the work I do is actually around just changing the way that we think about this, not taking it quite so seriously and not being so critical and goal-oriented because, you know, like I was saying before, that goal-oriented mindset mm-hmm. doesn't really work in love. Right. And that's a very hard thing for people to understand, especially um, people that are very accomplished mm-hmm. and have used that goal-oriented mindset to achieve like everything else that they've done. There's a big part of this process that is really about understanding that this is completely different Mm-hmm. And that deprogramming is a really is a really fundamental part of establishing a good foundation for dating. Right. I mean, you're saying that it's really different from other aspects of life, but I think that there is actually a lot of commonality. People who are chasing mm-hmm. that next promotion, like the if I make this much, then I'll finally be happy. And I've yeah. often found that that's not the case. You you get that thing, and you're like okay, what's the next thing? And it's never actually enjoying what you have. And I think that's a lot of what you're saying here. Yeah, I actually, just as an aside, I mean, from a personal perspective, I was married for almost 10 years Mm -hmm. and then dated for about 10 years um, and met my boyfriend a couple of years ago and we've been together. Mm -hmm. And it's funny what you said about, um, you know, people running to achieve this goal. And then once they get it, it's really not what they thought it was. Mm -hmm. And then there's something else to chase. And in a way I've felt like finding this relationship after so many years of dating, the thing that kept coming back to me as I was rolling into this girlfriend, like I was a girlfriend Mm -hmm. and a boyfriend, people would ask, how's it going? I could say I have have a boyfriend, you know, (laughs) it's like feeling, feeling like pretty proud, proud about it. Um, especially after having to endure all of those, like, you know, are you seeing somebody yet? And all this conversation. So finally I had an answer. And in the first year of dating, I kept thinking like, 
like, this isn't what I thought it would be. Oh. And it wasn't better or worse. It was more like thinking I was flying to Miami and ending up in LA. Mm. Like both great places, but just not exactly what I expected. And that perspective actually changed a lot of the ways that I worked with people because when you're single and you're chasing this thing, you think it's going to be a certain way. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I just have a lot more insight into what you're looking for. And I guess the main thing is like why you should be more protective of being single Mm -hmm. and why you should be more careful about committing to a relationship. Mm -hmm. Because, Because when you really value being single you know, and the freedom that it affords, um, you don't necessarily need the rules. Like mm-hmm. you'll just adhere to the rules, like not texting back right away and taking time. Like you'll adhere to those things because being single is actually really important to you. And giving up your lifestyle as a single person in order to be with somebody, that's a big step. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of this like, I've I've found when I was getting into my relationship that I was doing those things, but not out of like trying to impersonate someone who was cool. Mm -hmm. Because at that point in my life, being single was really fun and rewarding. And so I was much more careful about who I wanted to be with. And as a result, you know, that all played into like the, you know, the final outcome. Right. Um, So it is like for a lot of people that have been single for a long time, put put a lot of pressure on themselves. I guess one of my messages is like, hey, it's probably not what you think. Right. Especially with social media. Right. But probably even before then, we've idealized so much this idea of when I find my person and, you know, this whole notion of like dying alone and all of these (laughs) idioms that we operate under that are really fear-based. Entering into a relationship solves one problem, but it also introduces a bunch of others. So, you know, it's like people that come to me and they're like, yeah, I want to find a partner and, and I want all these things. I, I like to remind people that what they have is actually pretty great. Mm-hmm. Well, I have many questions from that. <laughs> okay. uh, let's, let's focus. Let's do it chronologically. So you said that you were okay. dating for 10 years. When you say mm-hmm. dating for 10 years, does that mean you were going on dates regularly or were you kind of taking times of singledom and like getting away from the dating scene or yeah. What was that like for you? Um, no, I took no time off. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I loved, I mean, I loved and hated dating the entire mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. but I never stopped. I mean, to give you an idea, I, you know, how I was diagnosed with breast cancer when I was 36, I think. And I dated in, throughout the entire process. Wow. Like I, dated. I remember like, wearing a wig and like making out with this guy and I could feel my wig like tilting <laughs> to one side. <laughs> you know, I like just, I just kept, I, I dated and I dated and I just got a lot out of it. I think part of it was because I was a sing. I'm, well, I still am a single one, but I was new to being a single parent. Mm-hmm. All of my friends were married. So, mm. you know, if no one wanted to go out, dating was my outlet right. for meeting people. And yeah, when you're a parent, um, you don't really meet people that easily. Like the people that you meet are other parents or you know, whatever. And all my friends are married. So dating was really my way of discovering New York City. Hmm. Yeah. I went on 
there were days where I would go on like three dates in one day. <laughs> That's insane. Um, that sounds like, yeah. So when I've it had is, my single yeah, periods, um, like mm-hmm. if I go on four dates in a week, I'm like, I'm deleting the app. Like I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. Lot, yeah. I feel like it's really draining. So that's insane that you're doing like three dates in a day sometimes. I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like I look back at that time, kind of smile a little because yeah. what, what the hell is that doing? <laughs> but, but you know, like I grew up in Michigan, got, mm. you know, um, lived overseas, got married, had kids, was like really on this kind of young adult fast track. Right. Um, you know, worked in finance, like just lived a certain kind of life and then moved to New York City, was dating. And all of a sudden the whole world opened up to me. And, you know, as much as people hate dating apps, it's the only technology that's really designed to bring us together in person. Like that's yeah. the that's the goal of it, which is really cool. And if you're single, you have that excuse that like you could meet anybody, any age, I don't know, from anywhere and just sit down and have a conversation with them. And I suppose part of it is also just being really curious about other people's stories. Mm. And so I always had this idea that, you know, it might not be the person that I want to be with, but when this part of the name of my company, a good first date, like, let's just, let's just have a good, like a good first date. Like that's kind of the most we can get out of this from certain dates. I went on to date them, you know, for, I don't know, three months, six months, a couple of times there was like a year in there, but sometimes it might just be a a recommendation for a concert. Mm. So like I went on this date with this one guy, he told me about this concert. I invited my brother to the concert and during that concert, we decided that he should move from Boston to New York. What? <laughs> and he lives in New York. So it's like, I, I just like people to be open to the possibility of your world is this big. You talk to the people you talk to, you do the things you do. And every time you open one of these portals, something something else might happen. It might not, but it certainly wouldn't happen if you didn't do anything. Right. You know, I tell my clients like, hey... You got to get out there. They're not going to come. They're not going to come into your kitchen. <laughs> that was something that I said a lot. And then <laughs> we were talking, just talking about, and then I had a, a mouse issue and had an exterminator come to my apartment and he said, Oh, this is how I met my wife. Really? And I thought, On the job. <laughs> well, okay. I guess you don't have to leave your house. <laughs> like, I guess you can just stay in your kitchen, which is kind of going back to what I originally said, which is it's, it's like really out of our control. Right. So we're doing the best we can, not only just to meet somebody, but also just to enjoy, just to enjoy life as a right. single person. Like, what does it mean to, and you, as a single person, you do things that are fun that married couple people can't do and, you know, vice versa. But I think because our culture is so geared towards mm. let's move you down this this stream of events, the things that single people can do seem like really frivolous and shallow. Mm. And the things that married people can do seem like so meaningful and romantic. So it's, again, back to this idea of like, really enjoy what you have and make the most of it. And right. you'll see like things will open up and things will happen. Nothing ever stays the same. Right. And as you were telling like your little anecdotes about the things that you gained from dating, I'm remembering some of the stuff that I've gained and some of the things my friends have. Um, I met my partner because he and another good friend of mine went on a coffee date and they're like, you know, it's not really working out romantically, but 
we're vibing as friends. So like, why don't you come to this comedy show and like come out for drinks with my friend? And that's how I met him because the two of them had connected. Um, and other times I've dated before that I went to on a sushi date and I love the crispy bits that they put on some of the rolls, but not all of the rolls. And the guy suggested like, Oh, you like this roll, but you like the crunchy stuff. We can just add we can just ask them to add it on. And now every time I have sushi, I think of him. I'm like, oh my God, I can like customize like my own sushi. Your mind. <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, I, I, lo- I love that because it's like, it's a big deal. It is. You know, I mean, it's a big deal in the same way that, um, how can I say this? It's like, you get to discover something new because you're single. Yeah. And I can tell you, like, maybe it's my own fault, but being in in a relationship for two years, I really haven't met that many new people, Mm. you know, because I haven't been been dating. Look, I love my boyfriend. We're great. Like, we have a great time. But I've, my world has now Mm. kind of closed up again because it's, it's us, you know, it's we, him and what are we doing this weekend? You know, let me check with my boyfriend. That's that's great. And like, that's what I thought I always wanted. And there are times where, yeah, I do miss the kind of growth element of dating because you can just like, you know, I guess if you're lucky enough, you can just turn on the app, find someone and just meet them. Like, yeah. Listen to someone else's story. For sure. I think what you were saying too, it feels like you're hermiting. You go to the same restaurants, you eat the same food, you meet the same people. (laughs) (laughs) And when you're dating, you're you're asking other people, like, what's your favorite restaurant? Like, bring me there. And you're trying new, exciting things. It's like you're going on vacation, except (laughs) someone else is planning everything and you get to try something new, see a bit of their world. I think, um, I mean, this is the best part of dating. Obviously, there's another part of it that's very hard. Mm-hmm. can be very painful and discouraging and uh you know i guess two 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 sides of the same coin um and so it's it's so much of it is about like staying in the game mm-hmm. you know and not dating dating like really intensively for 3 months getting frustrated deleting the app taking 3 months to recover like that cycle is basically a disaster because mm-hmm. you build up the you build up the app you build up your behaviors on the app the algorithms and whatever and then you just drop off and you have to reboot all over again and there's this kind of like recovery period too so this is in a way why people can date and date and date and not really get anywhere because they date really intensely they kind of follow all these roads that are negative or hurtful then they need to take a break then they get back on and now it's been been like six months, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they haven't, um, I guess they haven't really, you know, contrary to what I was saying, they haven't really achieved anything. Right. I, I liken it to, I mean, analogies or whatever, but I always think of it as like playing the lottery mm-hmm. in a way, you know, kind of recognizing that randomness, like you have to keep, you have to buy ticket, you have to keep buying tickets. Mm-hmm. So it's the first step, but you also have to know what a winning ticket looks like. Mm. And not everybody is ready to win (laughs) or not everybody recognizes what a winning ticket looks like because they have a certain idea of what, um, of what that experience should be. First, you said a couple things there, being ready for, to win and Mm -hmm. recognizing a winning ticket. So how 
would you say like you use the dating process to get ready to win? There are a couple of questions that I think help clarify this. Um, okay. So let's say you knew for a fact that in six months you were going to meet the love of your life. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that they would necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean that you guys would end up together, but you just, that person is going to come into your life in six months. Mm-hmm. What would you do to prepare for that event? Mm-hmm. You know, I would like to think if you knew that you were going to meet the person in six months, like you might start to do a little work on yourself, you know, you maybe kind of clean up your life a little bit. Um, if you have like negativity in your life and through some relationships or whatever, you know, you don't want to meet the love of your life and be like, Oh yeah. And, 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 and be, I don't know, getting over something with another person or in a big fight with your family or, mm you don't have any money or you're in bad shape. Like I, I I feel like you would want to be the best version of yourself so that when that event happens, like it will, you've done everything that you can right. to make, to make it work. Right. So it's like, you can't predict when it's going to happen, but you can prepare. And by preparing, it means taking really good care of yourself, taking good care of your relationships mm-hmm. and in doing that mental work so that, you've reached a point where you know how to communicate, say, um, and just have enough life experience so that you can relate to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of what you're saying there is very reflective of my own experience and some of my friends where we were like, I was at my happiest. I was like, Hey, if I don't meet anybody and I'm single for the rest of my life, that's totally yeah. fine. And that's when they come and get you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's exactly it. And, um, uh, you know, it goes back to this, uh, there's this investing book that I really loved. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love, it's called the most important thing. I think this was called by Howard Marks. Mm-hmm. And he talks, there's this, there's this theme throughout the book and it's, um, you can't predict, but you can prepare. Mm. So it goes both, both ways. Like, how do you prepare to meet the love of your life? You know, what do you need to get in order? But then the other side of it, how does you, how do you get prepared to never meet the love of your life? Mm -hmm. Like, how do you get prepared to quote unquote die alone? You know, if you knew for a fact that you would never meet the person that you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with, um, who would you date? And why? Right. And it might look something like, well, I would not probably not worry about all this stuff because I would know that they're not the person I would end up with and just date interesting people and like relax and have a little bit of fun. You know, if you knew that you would never meet the person, you'd probably make sure to have pretty good friendships Mm -hmm. because as you get older, you want people to like hang Hang out out with you (laughs) and like visit you in the hospital or whatever it is. (laughs) (laughs) for sure you know so it's all it's all like part of the same solution or approach which is everything is out of our control so the best way to prepare for either scenario is to really enrich our own lives in the state that we're in Mm -hmm. do the best that we can to make our lives fun and meaningful and just be open just to be open to what you know, what comes through. So 
the person that was sitting at her kitchen table when the exterminator came in, like she wasn't prepared for that moment, but there was something about her in her state of mind where she was open she was mm-hmm. open to dating this guy. <laughs> right. And there was something about her that was attractive to him. You know, so whatever she had done up until that point in her life made her ready to meet this guy. And the second part of that was how do you recognize a winning lottery ticket? You mm-hmm. must have some insights on this after all oh your experience dating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I um for a while, I dated in a very like haphazard way, mm-hmm. kind of just literally like, who's <laughs> does he have a pulse? Like, <laughs> is he free? Does he have? Pulse? Okay, let's go. I was really kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. I was having a good time, but it was it was it was draining. Mm-hmm. And then I got recruited to be a matchmaker, and I was pulled into this world where, by design. Dating is incredibly um, selective Mm -hmm. and strategic. Mm -hmm. And within the world of matchmaking, um, the way that we review candidates to be matched and the way that we review our database is very, um, what's the word? It's like everything has metrics, Mm -hmm. you know? So you're four good looking, you're seven career wise, you're this, and everyone comes out with a number. And people were chasing this number. And I remember thinking like, hey, how come I, I've never dated that way? You know, why, why shouldn't I do that for myself? And so I started becoming like very targeted in this way. And I would go on dates and, you know, they weren't up to my standards. And we started mm-hmm. getting into this language of like, you know, I have my standards. I'm not going to compromise my standards. This is what I'm entitled to. This is the type of person I deserve to be with. Kind of thinking about, thinking about things in that way. And first of all, people just became a waste of time. Mm. Like I was trying to hit a nine. And if we went on a date and you showed up as a seven and a half, like that was, that was not good enough. That was a waste Mm. of my time. And I would just turn, I would just turn through people, you know, like they were just, I was just stepping on them like (laughs) on the way to, to whatever goal this was, you know, to, to fulfill this, kind of matchmaking model of dating, I finally met, I finally met the guy, you know, I finally met the guy that hit all of the boxes. And in that moment, I just, I just completely changed who I was in order to make it work, mm. you know? Cause I was like, okay, this is what I, this is what I wanted on paper. This looks good. Now, how am I going to bend myself into a pretzel mm. so that I can make this happen? Right. And I really, I forced the relationship. I forced myself. I had that conversation, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And all this stuff, according to a timeline, you know, like first right. date, second date, fourth date, seventh date, like, okay, um, we've been out to dinner. We've been to a movie. We've been to a concert. He slept over. We, you know, it was like all these, all these prescriptions. Like right. I was dating in this way. And in the end, it didn't work out. I mean, not so surprising, but after that whole experience, um, I kind of just, for the first time, really lost my taste, my sense, like my, I can't think of the word, not lost my taste for zeal? it, you know? <laughs> Your zeal for it just, just, It just felt like, it just felt gross and I mm. felt totally empty. And I felt like I looked back and just thought, why am I putting so much pressure on myself? Like, what is this actually about? Why am mm. I, why am I dating as if I, I need to find somebody right. like, maybe 
there are people, there are definitely people in the world that need to get married for reasons of survival, cultural reasons or whatever, but I wasn't one of them. You know, I was financially, I'm financially dependent. I have kids. I'm not in a hurry. I think once I realized like, Hey, let's just take our feet off the gas a little bit and just chill out and become the nice person that you used to be. Mm-hmm. And let's just, let's just see what happens. And I think it was after that happened where I just started to date in a way that was like, okay, I want to make sure I have a good first date. Mm-hmm. Like I want to make sure we have something in common that we can have a good conversation. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. doesn't matter. My clients joke, like I, you know, I needed to make this much money. I'm like, no, you don't. You need someone that can, pay for their own drink, maybe pay for yours. And that's it. Like, right. that's all we're talking about. That's all we're talking about. Because once we start putting all these parameters on it, it this, this is when like, you just, you become so closed in and focused mm. on these things that are not even the person. So I started dating, you know, people that I thought were interesting or people that were, that made me feel good. Like that made me laugh or made me feel like they were interested in my story. I was interested. It was very much like, it was like a human thing. Right. I was going to say like the numbers really took the humanity out of the dating process. Yeah. And now it sounds like you're, that's the most important thing. And people, yeah, people are very much like, oh, it's, it's a numbers game. You know, I think, well, I mean, you do need to go on some dates. So Mm -hmm. yeah, there is a number out there, but the other side of it is you need to, like consider the whole person mm. and like bring bring some humanity and warmth into this whole process you know because everyone that you touch is, a, is like a person with a life you yeah. know not just a vehicle for you to find a relationship and so i think i went from being very thought driven to being a lot more intuitive mm-hmm. and paying much closer attention to how i was feeling and like how this person made me feel who was I around this person, mm-hmm. you know? And through that process is really how I met my my boyfriend. Um, because I just know, like, I just started noticing, like, he's always interested in what I have to say. And he always checks in, like, makes sure that I'm okay. Like, if I have a cold, he'll ask if I'm cold. <laughs> I don't know, really, really pretty silly things. But right. I just started to realize, like, you know, I'm in a stage of my life where someone caring about me is a lot hotter than how how tall they are. And that's like the thing where if someone comes to me and they're like, well, I need him to be this height. Like I get it. I like a tall guy. Do you have tall shelves? shelves, Like why? (laughs) Why is that so important? Yeah. Like tall, tall doesn't matter so much. Like when you're horizontal (laughs) (laughs) um you know but it's really just like i was i had dated in a mindset where i was very like looks driven Mm. and now i think before i met my boyfriend i was more driven by how nice he was to me Mm. like it was sexy to me that he cared so much and i really do think until you reach that point Mm. where you feel like how someone treats you is is what makes them attractive to you, then you're kind of not ready. Mm. And some people will never reach that point, you know, and, and that that's, that's okay. But like, I think that is actually, that is actually the trick and whether or not, you know, 
we can hold our standards here and date up here as long as we want, but you know, we all die. Mm -hmm. So there's a time element here too. How much of your life do you want to spend dating in this way where people have to meet your metrics? Mm -hmm. And I think most people that I know, the story that comes with their boyfriend or girlfriend is something like, I didn't really date anyone like that before, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, these were the things that suddenly popped out to me or, you know, they had hit the dating rock bottom and, and thought, okay, I think I'm ready to be with someone who's actually nice right? for a change. Right. And so some of my clients need to hit that rock bottom faster, like in order to, in order to kind of see the light. And because it's one of those things where people tell you, but you, you don't embody it. You don't integrate it into your life until it happens where you're like, I see what yeah. they mean now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It really was like that for me. Um, but I think a lot of people in my industry will also make the single person feel bad mm. for the way that they're dating, you know? And if someone is hell bent on dating someone who is over six feet tall, I don't have any judgments about that. I did that for many years. And that was part of what I had to do in order to reach the point where I'm at now. Secondly, where I'm at now isn't necessarily better than where they are. Mm -hmm. It's just, I'm in a relationship that I'm really happy with, but that doesn't make me better at dating. Mm -hmm. And I think I haven't posted about my boyfriend, like like a couple of mentions here and there, because I really also want to avoid this idea that like, I won. Right. Like I did everything right and I won. And now here I am. I'm going to show you how to get here. I think that's also a really messed up thing about my industry. So there's been, there's been like a lot of different threads going through my head that this relationship has really, has really brought up for me. But I guess ultimately it is if you want to be with someone for a long time, there are certain qualities that. Mm-hmm you kind of need in order to have a lasting relationship. So if you want a relationship, then you should probably find those qualities attractive. And if you don't find those qualities attractive, that's, that's okay. But you're probably not going to find the person that's going to be in a relationship with you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like college for a while. Everyone was like, where are you going to college? Mm -hmm. Not, do you want to go to college? Mm -hmm. And now with like all the student debt stuff, it's like, oh, well, actually college is really expensive. And a lot of people that go to college don't find the right kind of job. And if those people could just decide in advance, like I'm not going to college, then they don't have to study for the SAT. Mm. They don't have to do well in their classes and they can pursue the things they're really passionate about. Same thing with the relationships. Like if you really think about relationships as a lifestyle you're really honest with yourself, you don't have to be in a relationship Mm. to have the certain levels of achievement that might've been true in the past. Just like you don't have to go to college to have a certain level of achievement. I guess the point is like, when we think about relationships and marriage, it is so still so stuck in this idea of like, this is something that should happen if everything is going well, should happen for you. Mm. You know, but if you really looked at it and thought, I don't want to live a life where I'm seeing the same person all the time. You know, I don't necessarily 
want to have someone else's agreement if I want to switch jobs and move to another city. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part of someone else's family. I don't really want to share my money. Like those are totally valid for sure choices. And if that is really true for you, like probably being in a relationship isn't the right lifestyle. Yeah. I don't know if enough attention is paid to this part of it because as I'm discovering now, you know, after being single for so long, now being in a relationship, like it's not what I thought. And I guess that's my message is like, you probably think that you want to be in a relationship. You know, you probably say stuff like, I, I can't believe I'm still single. Mm -hmm. You know, when you say things like that, you buy into this idea of like, still, you know, why do we use that word still? It's because eventually it should be something else. Mm. And so this is like how we're going into it. Like we're going into dating, like we're going into dating, find a relationship, you know, but I find so many people haven't really considered what it is to be in a relationship. Kind of got like the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Calling into question a lot of relationships. (laughs) I'm like, should I be in a relationship? Um, (laughs) But I think those are really great points that we haven't thought about. Well, that's a funny, you know, it's a funny thing when you just kind of said that out loud because I've had that same thought too. I'm like, I really love my boyfriend and we have a great time, but like there are times where I'm like, I don't know if this, like, I don't know if this lifestyle is, is fitting exactly. And I've really struggled with it. I'm not someone who really likes to share that much. Mm -hmm. And I'm very like last minute, you Mm -hmm. know, want to change things up. He's very like kind of methodical, Mm -hmm. like predictable and everything. And it works for us because he's ADM 20, you know, like I love him. We love each other 50, 50 or whatever, but like he's willing to compromise 80% of what he Mm -hmm. wants. I'm willing to compromise 20%. And that's, and that's kind of the only way this would work. Like if I had to do as much as he did Mm -hmm. in terms of like, deciding what we do in the evenings or whatever, like then it, it probably wouldn't work as well. Right. Right. And I'm also curious because I have a couple who they are, they live their married life really differently from how I've seen other people live their married life. Um, they're currently traveling and they're traveling a lot. They're actually going to be on a later um, episode of the podcast, but they're also doing a month long solo trip. They're like, I want to explore mm-hmm. South and Central America and we hang out a lot. <laughs> so maybe we can just do this separately. So yeah. I think even when you get into a relationship, even when you are in this new state, you can still make the rules up that work up for you rather than doing what everybody else is doing. Another conversation that we were having was with a bunch of girls and everyone had different opinions on engagement rings. Some people were like, the bigger, the better, like I need this. Other people are like, I would rather have a tattoo. And other people were like, maybe just like get a dog together. Like that seems like a pretty big commitment (laughs) to one another than like an item or a tattoo. (laughs) Like a dog is... (laughs) you're emotionally invested yeah (laughs) instead of like a plant um but yeah I think that yes there's a lot of things that we may need to change going from singledom into relationship but you can also choose what that relationship is Uh, kind of yeah kind of like 
going back to the college analogy, mm-hmm. like there are lots of different colleges. There's even some colleges that are like, you know, semester at sea mm-hmm. or something. Um, but most colleges kind of require the same things. Like mm-hmm. you probably are going to live off campus in a dorm, right. probably going to have classes. You're going to study. You're going to have to show up. going to take some time. Probably won't be able to have a full-time job at the same time. There are people that do things in non-traditional ways, mm-hmm. but in general, you're signing up for college. Mm. And so, you know, to your friends that are doing this really like um, unusual thing, like going on different trips for 30 days, that that works for them. But I don't know if I would go into the relationship question being like, um, I'm going to find a relationship so that I can travel by myself. Mm. Like that's, or, you know, the way that you do your search is very specific, but like relationships are, well, most relationships are monogamous, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't have to be now we're finding, but let's just say they are. Um, Most relationships require that you spend time together, Mm. a lot of time together. (laughs) In most relationships, you have an intimate knowledge of what the other person is doing stuff that's not even important. Like, what did you have for lunch? You know, <laughs> like, is that pain in your right shoulder getting better? Like <laughs> stuff that I never used to say out loud. And right. that was one of the big surprises in my relationship. I was like, wait, why are we talking? Like, why are we talking about this? I mean, you know, just, right. it, wasn't, it was just like, I can't believe the level of detail I know about him and he knows about me. It's <laughs> way beyond what's necessary, but it is like, you just, fold into the other person as it has been my experience. And I, and I think that that is kind of like part of the deal. I think that there is a level of that. So I have been a serial monogamous. I've jumped from relationship to relationship. And I found that in my current relationship, I'm folding in a lot less than I was previously. And that's a very conscious choice on both of our parts. Um, We, make sure that we're prioritizing. We have a relationship agreement where we prioritize friendships. And at the end of every month, we will look back and be like, okay, what did we do well? What did we not do well? I felt like I needed more solo time, not even to hang out with friends, but just to like be alone in a room without you (laughs) Um, or to take up hobbies that I just like, I need more time to myself. And there is definitely still a lot of that. Hey, how's your back doing? Um, that level of detail, but that's something that I personally enjoy. <laughs> I'm not sure how you would, um, but see, adjust. that's, that's exactly it too, is you enjoy it. Mm. Like it, it's something you enjoy knowing that part of another person's life. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why you're good at relationships. Right. You know, it comes very naturally to you. Right. Um, and I really like how you were, that you and your boyfriend have this process. Right. I don't necessarily have a process like that, but Mm -hmm. we have hit a couple walls where it's like, I'm not working. I don't have my kids. I don't have plans, but I still don't want to hang out. (laughs) Right. You know, like I just want to do my own thing, which is basically nothing, but I just need that time for yourself. Now think about that. Like, that is a complete 180, mm. right? To when you're single. Mm. When you're single, all of your time is for yourself and you you come out of your shell when you want to. When in your, you're in a relationship, 
you have to actually carve that time out for yourself, which is like, which is, you know, like you were saying effort. And this is where, you know, being in a relationship is hard because like Mm. all this stuff that was completely yours, your time, Mm -hmm. your thoughts, your activities, like that becomes part of a group. Right. And I mean, as it should, I think, but it's a constant negotiation you know, certain months you may do really well, certain months you may not do well. Um, this is, you know, all part of like defining the relationship that works the best for the two of you. But underlying all of that is, you know, it's not if we do really well, if we do really badly this month, we're going to break up. Like that's mm. not how a relationship works either. It works. Okay. We're going to like, you don't head for the door every time right. things don't go well. That was a big change for me because as a serial dater, it was like, oh, well, uh, next. (laughs) I don't feel like having that conversation. Next. Um, And so another big compromise is, hey, are you willing to have tough conversations? Mm. Oh, yeah. And get angrier than you ever have been in your entire life. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) To work through things and build intimacy. And not, not everybody does. And also... I would only do that for probably him. And mm. maybe there's another person that I'll meet in my life. But like, in order for me to commit to that process, he has to be, he's a very special person. And that's right. why this is okay. Which brings me back to the other point of, I find there's this culture of like trying to get the guy, mm. you know, like, how do I get the guy? Um, what are the things that I need to do to make him fall for me? But if you thought about it the other way, like, this is a person mm. that I'm going to be stuck with. <laughs> And, you know, is it worth it? Like, these are all the things I'm going to have to give up. Is it worth it? And it isn't always worth it, but that's not how people think about dating. They think about it as a game that you win and the Mm -hmm. winning is being in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then you're in the relationship with a person that you can't have these conversations with because you weren't, you weren't selecting for the right thing. With the clients that you've worked with, have any of them come to the conclusion that, you know what? finding my forever person isn't for me. I think I'll just enjoy the process of dating. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's like no, almost nobody meets their person while they're working with me. Mm -hmm. Um, But a lot of people meet their person a year later or two years later. Mm -hmm. And I'll get a text like picture of this person with their, their boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, husband, like, you know, people have gotten married Mm -hmm which is great. Um, but it's never been my focus. And I always ask like, okay, well, what was it about working together that helps you so much? And they said, you know, you just made it seem like just took the pressure off. Mm. It just took the pressure off. I was able to just like relax a little bit, have a little fun. Things weren't so like life or death all the time. And once they got into that flow of just like you said, right when you were enjoying being single, like same here. I was like, oh, this guy, this guy, this is great. Oh, you know, just like being in that state where someone asks you how dating is going and you don't really have a bad story. You're just like, it's going great. That's, that's where I want my clients to be because mm. that's what they deserve. Mm. Like single or not single, these are important years of our lives. Like we deserve to enjoy what we have as much as yeah. we can. And I'm not trying to get some, somebody out of something. You know, I'm trying to help them to understand the process, 
do the best they can and take just take the pressure off. And after hearing this conversation, I'm sure there are going to be people who want to reach out to you. How can people find you if they're looking to? Uh, the easiest way is just to reach out. Um, my Instagram is a good first date. Mm-hmm. So pretty easy to remember. Or my website is the same, a good first date. So it can reach me that way. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for being on. This is a really interesting conversation and confronting in some ways, but very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much for having me on. You know, it's it's such a privilege to be able to talk about these these issues. Like, you know, they say, do what you love. Mm. I don't love dating so much anymore, (laughs) but... I always love talking about dating. So this is this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed, send this episode to a friend who could use the advice or one who would have a great listen. If you have thoughts or tips you'd like to share, please do at self-help junkie pod on Instagram, Twitter, or Gmail. I'll see you guys next time.